The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. from Washington, D.C. every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. for an hour-long Generation Progress Takeover. Check us out at genprogress.org or on Twitter at genprogress. Hello and welcome to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Brent J. Cohen. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. And for the first time ever, we are hosting this takeover remotely from each of our homes, our office, like many offices and places of business throughout the country, is currently closed to prevent the spread of COVID-19. We are doing our part to uh, socially distance and help flatten the curve here so that uh, we can um, help to prevent and stop the spread of coronavirus across the country. Uh, so a, uh, a big thank you to everybody out there who is also doing their part to uh, practice social distancing, to flatten the curve, and a huge thank you to the folks um, out there who don't have the uh, the option to stay home and socially distance or to work from home. Folks who are doing essential services like uh, healthcare workers, nurses, doctors, people on the on the front lines, making sure that those who are sick get help, and people working in grocery stores, stocking shelves, uh, doing the checkout lines, uh, uh, delivering mail, a whole host of things that that are helping us maintain some form of normalcy uh, during this time and helping us to uh, make sure that folks have the food and prescriptions uh, and everything else that they need. Uh, so a huge thank you to all of you. Um, you know, this uh, this pandemic is a difficult and scary time for, for, for many people. Um, I think there are, um, there are, worrying health risks for all people of all ages. Uh, we know that older people and people who already have compromised immune systems are particularly at risk. Uh, we know that there are mental health challenges, anxiety, uh, other things that come from periods of high stress uh, and, and potential social isolation and, and also massive economic challenges um, for individuals and for the country um, at large. And so, Really hope that folks are taking care of themselves, practicing self-care, being kind uh, to yourselves um, as we are uh, in, in trying to remind ourselves to be, um, you know, and we know with, with bills, with student loan payments, with rents and mortgages due for many people as soon as next week, um, it's clear that there are a lot of people who will, um, uh, that will, will need some help to get through this difficult time uh, while we all try to stay safe and keep our communities as safe as possible. So to, to talk a bit about the economic challenges that uh, people and, and particularly young people are facing and will face as a result of this crisis and what state and federal governments uh, can do to help individuals and families get through it, we are joined by Tamara Fusio, the Director for Government Affairs and Senior Advisor at the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. Thank you for joining us, Tamara. 
Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're, you know, I don't think there could be a more timely conversation for us right now to um, to really dive into uh, what the impact, uh, economic impact in particular, though we'll be jumping around here a little bit as well, will have on people and young people. Um, but before we jump too far into the conversation, can you uh, tell us a little bit about the mission of your organization and, and, and your specific expertise and how you came to this work? Sure, absolutely. I work uh, for the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. We're a nonpartisan research and policy institute. Uh, we focus on federal and state policies that are designed both to reduce poverty and inequality, but also to restore fiscal responsibility in, in manners that are both effective and equitable. Um, we focus particularly on budget and tax issues, as well as policies um, that help people whether that's housing, uh, healthcare, um, nutrition programs, um, and uh, uh, really try and look at how um, budget choices affect Americans. Right, how budget choices affect Americans. And so as we, uh, at, a, at a sort of high level, what is the economic challenge that we're up against right now? Why, why are people so concerned? Why do we have the United States Senate and House scrambling to pull together a $2 trillion sort of uh, a bill here that we'll talk about in a little bit. So what what is this economic challenge that we're facing? Well, I think it's probably everybody listening uh, right now knows we are faced with a pandemic that's threatening um, the sustainability of our healthcare system and our economic prosperity in, uh, in a way that was probably unimaginable to everybody uh, just a, a few weeks ago. Um, as the virus spreads and, and more and more people are, are forced to, to shelter and, um, and social distance, uh, businesses are shuttering, um, people are losing jobs, people are not able to go out and spend money to help the economy. It's a, it's a really hard um, uh, circle that, that we see ourselves in. Um, and, uh, and unfortunately, while we need to um, all stay um, away from others and protect ourselves from uh, the dangers of this virus that um, that ultimately makes uh, getting our economy back on track that's that much more difficult. Um, and so we really are facing an economic situation that many feel we haven't seen since the time of the Great Depression. Just in the last week, the number of people filing for unemployment insurance increased tenfold. It went from about 250,000 applications uh, per week to about 2.5 million applications in a week. So it's just unprecedented. And our um, country's safety systems um, are just not equipped to handle the type of economic crisis that we're seeing right now. And so it is imperative that Congress and the administration come together um, and pass um, policies that are going to help um, uh, you know, Americans uh, survive this, this economic uh, and, and health crisis that we're facing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you, you just raised so much in, in, in that one answer about the complexity and nuance of um, what it is that we're facing. Um, and I think, 
you know, uh, on one hand, yes, people sort of being forced to stay home and, and perhaps not spending money like normal and not being able to frequent stores and the impact is having on small business in particular um, and uh, people losing wages, losing jobs. We know that's, uh, you know, incredibly stressful, but also has detrimental impacts for the economy. And yet we are in a position where social distancing and flattening the curve is really essential from a public health standpoint. And and also, I would imagine from an economic standpoint, in terms of if we return too quickly to try and um, get back to work and get back to quote unquote things as normal, that the uh, that the downside here, um, you know, I can't imagine that massive death tolls would benefit the economy either, and, and likely send folks into a panic that uh, uh, then sort of further damages the economy. And so that's why it's so important from a public health standpoint and also from a long-term economic standpoint that we um, sort of practice the social distancing up front and hopefully be able to provide measures. As you said, the the uh, safety net that we have in place here is, is, is just not set up for something of this scale. Yeah, and I think that you raise a really, a really important point. I, I'm sure a lot of folks on the uh, listening right now, heard the president say yesterday against the advice of every um, health expert out there that he wanted the economy to be, you know, businesses to be open uh, by Easter and to have things back up and running by Easter. Um, and we know that that is absolutely um, goes counter to everything all of the uh, medical establishment is telling us. And unfortunately, in doing that, the president pitted sort of the health of the economy versus the actual health of our, our, you know, our people against each other. And it's not an either or, it's a both. Um, Having people social distance right now both helps, um, uh, you know, get the the pandemic in control. Um, But also there would be tremendous uh, backlash on our economy if people um, started to come back too early, and we saw uh, a resurgence in uh, in the number of cases. What we don't want to do is, ex- you know, ha- have uh, you know a, a resurgence and then have to go back into another session of social distancing and only extend the amount of time that that everybody is forced to to be apart from each other. And and I know there's been sort of a lot of talk around, um, you know, how how important is it to social distance? Um, you know, just in in the U.S. alone, we've already had almost 1,000 deaths. Um, and more than uh, you know, almost 60,000 confirmed cases. We know that the um, that number is, is likely um, much lower than it actually is because there just aren't enough tests. Um, and we saw just yesterday the first teenager, um, is, uh, uh, someone in L.A., died from uh, the coronavirus. So this is not this is not exclusively. Um, uh, a pandemic that's affecting older Americans. Um, we have seen um, some real, um, real devastating cases among uh, younger, younger people as well. 
Yeah, I, I think that's right, uh, Tamara. And I think it's um, so important to, to sort of emphasize what you're saying here about, you know, we have an opportunity um, to uh, have people stay home, prevent thousands of deaths, um, and then sort of address the economy. Uh, or, you know, people can go back to work, we'll have thousands of deaths, and then we will still have to address the economy, right? We're going to be right back where we started if we sort of um, start ignoring the social distancing um, uh, precautions. So um, when we when we return from this commercial break, um, I want to j- uh, pick back up on that and talk a little bit more about what's at stake um, for our economy and uh, why it's so important that we're balancing, um, you know, prioritizing Americans' health first um, in order to make sure that things continue to run smoothly. You've been listening to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show, and we will be right back after this break. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Hello, and welcome back to this Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Brent J. Cohen. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. Thanks for joining us. And we're talking today with our guest um, about the economic impacts that we are looking at because of coronavirus pandemic and all that it it, uh, deals with and all the impact that it has, both from a public health perspective and from an economic perspective. Uh, This is our first ever remote generation progress take over the Leslie Marshall Show because we are practicing uh, social distancing and we are joined remotely by Tamara Fusil, the Director of Government Affairs and a Senior Advisor at the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. Thanks for coming back with us, Tamara. Absolutely. So just before we went to break, we started to get into a little bit about how uh, coronavirus, generally the pandemic, is impacting uh, young people and older people alike. And I was just to just and, and that's true both from a health perspective, but the focus of this show more on the economic perspective, it's also true. And you know, I'm I'm thinking back to, uh, you know, uh, gosh, what was it? 2008. Now, uh, September of 2008, I was in New York City. Uh, a a friend of mine had just moved out to, uh, to New York. We became roommates, and he took a job at Lehman Brothers. And we sat there on the couch watching as people walked in with boxes and walked out with all their stuff because Lehman Brothers was collapsing. And that was the first uh, financial crisis of our sort of of millennials working adult years, right? Back in 2008, just as many of us were leaving college or early to um, mid, you know, early in their careers, in our careers. And now about 10 years later, we're facing our second financial collapse, potentially, or hopefully not collapse, but financial crisis, let's say. So could we, uh, you know, two two financial crises in, in a span of 10 years, really at the beginning and now middle, many of us, most a third of us dealing with student loan debt at, at fairly ridiculous rates. What are some of the short term and long term implications of this national emergency for millennials? Well, I think it's very interesting that you started talking about what we saw uh, in the Great Recession back in 2008 as the financial markets collapsed. Um that certainly was a scary time. And there are things that we got right in responding to that crisis and there are things that we got wrong. Um, and we want to sort of build off of what we saw back then. Um, first of all, you know, um, that crisis 
was different than this one, right? Um, it certainly impacted the financial world, which has ramifications for um, loss of other businesses, but it was different in that it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't stopping all commerce, right? There were some people who were still able to travel. There were some, you know, small businesses were still open. You still went to school. Um, there wasn't a concern about capacity at hospitals. Um, so that that crisis was was very different than what we're we're seeing today. Um, but there there are things that worked well, and there there are things that didn't in, in the way that we responded to that. Um, there was a lot of money that was given to the financial industry and to automakers uh, and others to make sure that. Uh, Americans didn't lose those industries. They kept saying this, you know, phrase, too big to fail, too big to fail. Um, and so our financial institutions got huge in, uh, infusions of cash. Uh, that worked in that um, the money that was given to those uh, institutions uh, helped keep them afloat. Um, and that money eventually was paid back to the government. But what, what we know about that is that a lot of that... Um, that type of aid did not trickle down to workers um, and to others who were impacted by the crisis. Um, and so, um, you know, that's, that's sort of like one thing to improve this time around. One thing that did work last time is that we expanded on insurance benefits. We expanded SNAP, which uh, is formerly called food stamps, to make sure that people had access to, um, to food assistance. Uh, and so, uh, and, and those type, and, and we know um, all of the economists will tell you that um, SNAP benefits, uh, food stamps, are the most uh, stimulative uh, uh, tool at uh, policymakers' disposal. When you give money to families who are struggling to put food on the table, they spend it. Right. So. Sorry economic activity. So, so that was, that was a lesson that we learned that worked. So, so when we, when we come back, Timur, let's, oh, let's pick up on this thread when we come right back after this break about the need to Absolutely. get money in people's pockets. Hello and welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm Brent J. Cohen. Uh, and so we are joined here uh, remotely, not in studio. <laughs> uh, Brent and I are both working uh, from home, uh, bought us some microphones, uh, set them up before this radio show interview today. Um, so uh, it's been, been a sort of exciting, interesting experience figuring out the Generation Progress Takeover um, today. And we've got joining us via phone, um, Tamara Fusil. Uh, she is a senior, she's the director for government affairs and senior advisor at the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. Thanks for joining us, Tamara. Yeah, happy to be here. Um, um, so just just before the, uh, the commercial break there, um, we were talking a little bit about um, the uh, the folks who are going to be disproportionately impacted by um, the extended, uh, you know, the current and the extended um, economic fallout um, that we're looking at um, in the face of a, a global pandemic here. Um, we were talking about folks who 
require SNAP benefits um, and uh, people who are going to need uh, money now, you know, immediately. Um, and I wanted to to sort of think through the unique um, economic impacts this might have on uh, millennials and Generation Z. Sure. I, I mean, I think there's a, a whole lot that we want to, to look at when we're trying to think about uh, how this community is impacted by uh, this pandemic. Uh, certainly, um, you're talking about a community that's likely just sort of getting their um, financial feet under them. They still have mortgages or not mortgages, excuse me, rent to pay, um, potentially car payments. You know, we know that there uh, is a lot of student um, debt that needs to be paid off. Um, but at the same time, um, you have a population that may or may not have stable work, that may or may not have um, employee-provided health care, um, and you also um, have a population that um, has a high per- uh, participation rate in the gig economy, um, all of which is um, puts, puts um, millennials and Generation Z at risk of not having income right now or uh, being in a situation where uh, there's a lot of uh, stress and financial uncertainty, uh, since we don't know how this pandemic crisis is going to play out, it, it's you know it changes week to week. Um, so I think that there you know there's a, a a lot of things that we've been trying to think about. How can we um, help millennials and Generation Z as we um, as we think about the um, the the um, response by Congress and the administration. Um, you know, one of those uh, is making sure that everybody has access to health care, right? This is a health care crisis, and anybody who is, um, um, fe- you know, feels ill, needs medical attention, should be able to get that without being worried about the bill that they're going to get stuck with. Um, thanks to Obamacare, a lot of folks are able to enjoy uh, coverage through their parents um, until age 26, but uh, that that doesn't cover everybody. Um, and there, you know, we know that there's a significant uh, segment of this population that doesn't have health care. So, um, you know, what we wanted to see out of the package that's getting negotiated right now is ex- expanded coverage so that everybody who uh, is experiencing uh, symptoms as a result of the coronavirus or who needs attention can get that. I think that that's an important step that, um, that we'd like to see uh, as a result of, um, um, you know, the, the federal response. But another thing is lost wages. We know that gig workers, we know that people who have hourly jobs, we know that small businesses, we know that, um, you know, lots of people are going to be furloughed are going to be laid off or just are not going to have income during this, um, social distancing period, um, and potentially for, for weeks and months to come. So we need to expand unemployment insurance to make sure that those who don't have income, uh, have a way to pay off all of the bills that are still coming in, regardless of whether or not, um, you're allowed to go outside of your house. Yeah, I think I mean that's that's exactly right. My my sister's boyfriend uh, is a masseuse. Um, I have several friends who are are bar- bartenders, um, and their rent you know their rent is still due. Um, so and I think when we we pile on top of that uh, the number of people who um, 
you know, maybe have uh, are holding some student loans, um, have um, either a college degree or some partial education, um, and then are still uh, perhaps as a result of um, some of the the uh, when you still have folks who are doing hourly work or gig work, you know, Lyft driving, uh, Uber, Uber driving and that sort of thing. Um, no health care, uh, student loan debt, um, <laughs> rent to pay. Uh, it's, it's sort of it, those things start t- stacking on top of each other. Right. I mean, then you think about the entire class of uh, 2020 who's graduating this year, it, you know, they're, the jobs are not going to be there for them. Um, there's going to exactly be a lot right. of people who have studied and, and done work and, uh, and, you know, really, really done their best to graduate, uh, you know, and, and are expecting to do that this, this spring. Um, but, you know, what's the economy that they're, they're graduating into, they're going to come out with debt and, uh, and no employment or, or bleak employment options and opportunities on the horizon. So, um, you know, so, so how do we take take care of them? Right. And that's something that as millennials we face as well. So many of us coming out either just before or just after the 2008 crisis um, into a market that uh, either contracted really quickly or one that had already contracted. And, and as you talked about, bleak economic options, that's now something that the, that the generation behind us in terms of Generation Z is unfortunately coming forward and facing as well. And, you know, I think, Charlotte, hearing you talk a bit about um, your sister's boyfriend being a masseuse, friends who are bartenders, the gig economy, freelancers who are doing um, digital work, for example, digital graph, you know, graph, digital graphics and things like this um, might be holding student loan debt, might have even been doing quite well for themselves before. As millennials, we're, you know, I think people often equate millennial with young person. And, and I and I do like to still be a young person uh, and still proud to say that I am, uh, but also we're getting up there, right? Like, um, and so a lot of folks are, um, may have families of their own, maybe caring for elderly parents, maybe uh, dealing with childcare costs and student loan debt costs. Uh, you know, these things, as we talked about, pile on top of one another. And so now that there may be a loss in wages, now that there may be um, uh, shorter things happening, uh, the millennial generation really, I think, potentially feeling it on both ends here in terms of what's coming in terms of a financial crisis. So, Tamara, if, if like, I could, yeah, yeah, please yeah, jump in. If I, if, I could, if I could jump in, I think that one thing that uh, we've been really focused on is, uh, is loss of income and how are we going to help people feel whole during this time of social distancing. Um, and if, if folks have been watching Congress and the White House are have announced that they have a deal on the next package, um, and uh, you know we're expecting to to see details of this package later today. But I want to flag two things that I, I think are key um, to replacing wages that are are going to be part of this package that I, I think millennials and, and Generation Z uh, need to know about, um, and uh, and will be helpful for them if if that's okay. Um, one, we are expecting significantly in a way that we haven't seen before um, expanded unemployment insurance. Um, the, the, the package that's going to be released later today in, uh, creates a, a new 
uh, program. It's called the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program, which will be available for a a large swath of workers who generally um, might not be uh, normally eligible for unemployment insurance. Um, But the purpose of this is to take care of those um, so that they can um, recover lost wages. If as a result of uh, of this new program, there's going to be additional uh, weeks, up to 39 weeks of coverage. That's uh, you know um, about three quarters of a year um, that would be covered, um, as well as um, additional funding. Um, people who um, uh, have been diagnosed with coronavirus are taking care of people with coronavirus. If you um, were scheduled to start employment but don't have your job as a result. Um, or the coronavirus outbreak, you outbreak, you would be eligible if you had to, um, if you lost your job as a result of coronavirus, um, if you uh, are a gig uh, worker. Um, so I just encourage everybody on this phone, I mean, on this, um, listening to this uh, program to, to really, um, uh, you know, I, I know sometimes you wouldn't think like, oh, do I qualify for unemployment insurance? Um, the new system being created is designed to get a lot of those people who wouldn't necessarily think that they were eligible um, to get them assistance. So, so one um, look, look for the details of that as they become more available over the next couple of days. Um, And two, there are uh, stimulus uh, checks um, that are included in this, um, in this package. They are um, uh, 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 calling them, I think uh, recovery rebates. Um, with about um, a little over $1,200 per adult and $500 per child, they are available um, to, um, to to almost everyone. There's a, a couple of narrow exceptions, but and this this is the critical part: you have to have filed an income tax um, return in the you know in the last year. Um, so non-filers um, will not automatically get this check. So if you are a non-filer, if you're somebody who, you know, for there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't file your taxes, but um, it, you can retroactively go ahead and file a, a tax return from last year um, to make sure that you you do get this $1,200 that you are eligible for. Um, and there's there will be some information coming out about that over the next couple of days and weeks, but just want to make sure that people are taking advantage of um, of the systems that are being put into place to help people replace lost wages. Yeah, thank you for for walking through all that. Such incredibly important information right now and and more information to come once that uh, agreement goes into place. Um, I certainly want to talk a little bit when we come back from this break about some of some of what we wish would have been in that bill, some of which we're really excited about that did make it in. Uh, Give credit where credit is due for taking what was a pretty lousy bill and improving it a bit. So when we come back on the Generation Progress Takeover, the Leslie Marshall Show, we'll we'll talk a bit more about what to expect uh, in this agreement. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Brent J. Cohen. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. 
And we're joined by our guest, Tamara Fusil from the uh, Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. And we are talking today about the latest economic package that's coming through to address the economic crisis that is coming from the coronavirus pandemic. Yes, all of that strings together. Um, and just before this break, we were talking a little bit about some of the good things that were embedded in there. And Tamara was walking us through some of the things that um, we think it'll be really helpful in how folks can avail themselves of some help, particularly those who uh, might be in the gig economy or freelancers who previously didn't think they might have uh, uh, qualified for unemployment insurance, but now because of some expanding of the rules might. Um, we know also, I'll just say off the top that uh, this, the bill, you know, we've seen some of the bill text. I think there's there's some good in there. It will do a lot to help some people, including some, uh, it looks like, one-time payments for adults and children. It doesn't quite do enough, and, and we know that, but um, credit to, uh, I'll just say, the, the, the Senate Dems and, and, and Nancy Pelosi and her leadership um, for really taking what was an original proposal from Mitch McConnell that bailed out a lot of industry, uh, including some with a what was referred to as the slush fund that had very little transparency, and turning it into something that did bring some of the help for individuals and for people that that Tamara just walked us through. You know, I'll, I'll say uh, one of the things that we were hoping at Generation Progress to see in this bill um, that didn't make it in, unfortunately, from what we're told, uh, would be some student loan debt cancellation. The proposal on the table was to uh, cancel up to uh, $10,000 of student loan debt uh, for borrowers, uh, you know, which would have provided some direct relief. Unfortunately, that didn't go in. Um, but student loan payments, I believe there will be a, a moratorium on collection of those that are in default, which is hugely important. Uh, so again, some good is in there. Um, not quite as far as we would have liked to have seen, but certainly some good is in there. Yeah. And also, um, I mean, I know before this commercial break, we were talking a little bit about some of these uh, vouchers that folks might be eligible for. And I'm I'm not really read up on that, um, Tamara, but I think that uh, that's something that you um, have a little bit more expertise in here. That's something that there was an opportunity to give folks more immediate relief, right? And to give folks um, sort of like immediate cash influxes. Um, and they had to instead go with something that will be delayed and a little bit onerous for folks who um, as you said, um, have not recently filed a tax return or uh, folks who might not have um, access to some of the some of the systems that people in higher income brackets might have. Is that right? Uh, th well, that's right. Uh, let me unpack a couple of things there. Um, I think that the. Uh, um First, uh, what you were saying earlier about this package moving from really sort of a corporate bailout to something that provides significantly more assistance to households and those struggling uh, is absolutely true. We, what, what was originally introduced by Mitch McConnell on Saturday uh, has, uh, has changed considerably in the last 72 hours, and that's uh, a lot of credit due to Senate Democrats and uh, Speaker Pelosi for putting pressure and not just um, accepting uh, what the president and McConnell were offering. Um, what we have seen is that they, um, there has been an emphasis on trying to provide uh, relief to workers. There's the stimulus uh, payments or the recovery rebates that you just referenced, those are helpful. They will take a while to get to people. And as I mentioned earlier, if you didn't file a tax return last year, you're going to have to go through that process before you're eligible for your rebate. So that is a little clunky. It does 
take um, some time. There had been a policy um, as well as others at Center for American Progress um, and uh, and others had been pushing for these immediate rebates to families uh, through the electronic benefit uh, system. We did not get that, which was disappointing, but instead the unemployment insurance system um, was expanded considerably, much larger than I think we anticipated. And this new pandemic unemployment uh, assistance um, does help take care of that. Uh, that is supposed to, um, the way it is constructed, it's supposed to be able to provide up to four months of full wages for lots of people, uh, including people who work in the gig economy or who are partially employed, um, folks who, um, you know, really will suffer as a result of this um, of this pandemic. So, so that is a good thing. Uh, you know, some other good things that are uh, in the, in the package, there is um, um, oh, some a uh, lot of funding for childcare um, and also funding for housing and homelessness programs. We know that that's a a, um, a population that is really at risk and vulnerable during this crisis. Um, so, so that's good. I mean, there's you know there this this. Um, this package, when we see final text, we expect that it will provide a lot of relief to folks. But as you mentioned, there are disappointing um, um, issues from the package. Uh, you mentioned the student loan relief. They were not, um, although uh, Leader Schumer and Speaker Pelosi were pushing for that, they were not able to get um, the um, the student loan relief that you were um, uh, that you mentioned in the bill. Instead, they were able to get some. Um, um, tax relief if you uh, participate in a uh, with your employer through a student loan repayment program, uh, you won't have to pay taxes on that like you currently would. So that's that's something that the um, the reach of that is considerably smaller than the larger um, student loan relief. I know that, um, that this community was pushing for. Uh, we were also disappointed that there's no um, expanded. Um, uh, health care coverage for the uninsured in this package. Uh, you know, as as we know, this is at, at its center, a health care crisis. And so there really should be better provisions to make sure that um, uninsured are able to get the care that they need. That was uh, not included. Another piece <laughs> that was not included was we were hoping um, to have ex- um, expanded um, SNAP uh, food stamp benefits um, uh, a, a temporary increase in benefits to help families struggling put food on the table that didn't make it into the package either um, so that's all all disappointing but we know that they're coming back to do another package and so there's more work to do to push that's for right. these policies on you know what they're calling the fourth package so awesome yeah so, you know we'll continue pressing there Thank you so much, Tamara. That's a great place for us to end. Looking forward to the fourth package. Appreciate all this, all the information that you shared with us today. Um, thanks to our senior press associate, Emily Leach, and to our guest, Tamara Fusil. Uh, thanks to all our listeners, and we'll be back with you next week. Please make sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Jen Project.